0: Welcome to Wedding & Event Podcast, podcast discussions for event professionals and those planning successful events, with Wedding & Event Consultant Toby Dodge, author of The Other Side of the Aisle, and Eric Zimmerman, DJ, Master of Ceremonies, pianist, and band leader of ElegantMusic.com. Hello, everyone. The title of this episode is Weddings, an Unregulated Industry. Wedding and Event Podcast, Episode 53. I'm not one for lots of laws and regulations in areas where common sense should prevail. In creating this podcast, it has been my intention to present an organized body of information about wedding and event planning. The truth is, an informed couple makes good decisions. Wedding and Event Consultant Toby Dodge, through her many years of experience, is a wealth of information, a nice person, and totally willing to help. Through this podcast, it is our hope that listeners gain a better understanding of what they need for their event and enjoy the activity of planning their special day. Gathering information and being willing to talk to vendors and learn about their services are important activities leading to a successful event. Most wedding professionals are artists and enjoy the creative process and are very willing to share information. From these discussions, couples are better able to determine the importance of the services they will be hiring, and put together a good team of vendors to help them realize their vision for their special day. And now, please enjoy Weddings, an Unregulated Industry, Wedding and Event Podcast Episode 53.
1: Did you want to continue talking about anything specific?
0: I'm wanting to present a a reference, a tool. When you're looking at an area that you're not... Uh, familiar with, or you know a little bit about, and that you don't know how to evaluate the data that's coming at you, Mm -hmm. and you don't know uh, fully what the terms mean, that there's confusions, and then a a person will wind up uh, second-guessing themselves, and they'll have uncertainty.
1: Uh, Well, I can tell you where I think the origin is, that the industry grew out of a social and cultural revolution that was fueled by marketing and the development of individualizing events over a period of many years. Because when I entered it, I had no conception of a wedding coordinator or the term day of. The, the term day of just kind of happened. Yeah, it did. Because you were helping on the day of the wedding. That's right. And that's how many people viewed themselves if they were working in a banquet center or if they were employed as a salesperson and helped on the day of sometimes it grew out of that Mm -hmm. so there there it wasn't like it started from school
0: right initially yeah
1: you know let you go to school to do this and so i think it just evolved yes and that's why it's so hard to delineate specifics because it isn't recognized universally, other than the broad terms as a planner, a coordinator, and day of God bless us all, the most misunderstood oh, and miscalculated
0: oh, my God.
1: <laughs> level of service that I can think of. Yeah. I mean, I just know about. Our industry, I'm sure that this situation exists in different industries, but in ours, yeah. this is what it is. Yeah, 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 And so that's why it's been very frustrating for us because, you know, I think that most people in the United States, if you said you're getting married, do you need some help on the day of. And most people would say, oh, yeah, I would love it, you know. They're not going to turn it down. Uh-huh. I think it'd be unusual unless they were so totally organized and had their troops with them. And that's just the way they roll. Right. I, I think it would be hard-pressed to find someone say, yeah, you want to pass out the flowers? You want to pin on the boutineers, You want to line us up? You want to cue us for this? I don't think most people would say no, I don't want any help. Yeah. And then it becomes a level of well, what is it worth to me? It's a personally? service. It's a service. This yeah. it's a service. Yeah. And so you know, how do you value it? How do you compare it? Exactly. And Oh my gosh. So I started out com- I did. I started out Trying to help people understand what the value was by telling them if they were working in an office and they had a senior administrator that helped uh, the vice president or the president of, of the corporation or the business, that administrator that just seems to know everything. Knows how to connect people, find out information, remind people, keeps the train
0: going. That sounds like his secretary, though. It doesn't sound like him. It sounds like well, his secretary. it
1: it could be a secretary. Although by the late eighties, um, it usually was considered. There were other words used for secretary. If it was a secretarial position. It would mean it would be an administrative secretary or administrative assistant. Secretary was kind of getting old fashioned, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Whether it was, you know, just for making people feel like they had a better title, I don't know. But genuinely, administrators started being used a lot Mm -hmm. in offices that I recall. And So I used to ask them, what do you think they make? Do you think they make $10 an hour, $15, $20, $25 an hour? And I said, for someone, you know, that really knows what they're doing, they're trained. They've been around for a while. And in those days, going back to the late uh, 80s, most people said somewhere around $20 an hour. That was considered, you know, other than being a head of a department who would make more than that, that was considered a, a decent salary for an administrative assistant or someone who was uh, well-connected. Okay. All right? So that's kind of how I judged myself. And I said, I'm just not in your office I'm helping you in my office, but it's the same level of knowledge and care. Hmm. And that seemed to click with a lot of people that were in the corporate world.
0: They had something to compare it to. They
1: had something that they could compare and value. Yes. And I said, what's tough is that you don't know what I'm doing all the time. (laughs) Because I'm not sitting next to you, or in the next office, so for eight hours you don't know what the heck I'm doing unless you're talking to me or we're in a meeting. I mean, I just used to talk plainly, you know, so people would understand that I understood where they were (laughs) coming from. Frankly, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I remember having this conversation with uh, a young lawyer, female lawyer. And it was hardest on them because they had to work so hard, harder, I believe, in many ways, to make a name for themselves and be recognized. Now, today, I think there's probably as many women graduating from law school as there are men, if not more. But back 30 years ago, That wasn't necessarily the case. So in that situation, if you are working for somebody or want to work with someone who is striving and is trying to make a name for themselves, then I think you have to meet them where they are and say, that's how I feel. I'm striving even though I only at at that time had a year of graduate work. But I had, you know, a four-year college education from a good university and and grad school and a teaching uh, credential. And I had done lots of things, you know, uh, traveled, and I had worked in industries. So I felt, even though I was probably a good 10 to 15 years older than most of my clients, I felt I was on par with them. Even though I did not have a, a, a doctor or a lawyer, it wasn't about the importance of their job. It was about competency, equal competency. Of what they were doing and what I was doing. And I think that's a very hard thing to separate. That because we all want to be valued. But part of being valued is feeling like we have that competency.
0: And that we're confident in, in our...
1: Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of where... I tried to meet them wherever they are
0: Mm -hmm. or were. I think that having a client who is uh, themselves an administrator, Mm -hmm. uh, a client who is in a service-oriented or even an artistic bent, they get us, you know, that they're a little more understanding. I really enjoy working for artists and uh, working for people who are um, interested in a performance and they're interested in presentation and mm-hmm. in, a, in a um uh and they and, and i don't want to belittle anybody's job or, or you know somebody who is uh i i think there's an artistic there's an artist in everyone when they uh start to get into uh, planning their wedding they become aware of crafts or they become aware of certain areas of expression a case in point a wedding i just did last night uh at the athenaeum and this is a, uh, literally a rocket scientist, okay, who, Gosh who, got, who, darn. Got, who got married <laughs> and he, uh, very intelligent man, you know, young man. And he, um, he set upon doing this uh, entire thing himself. He's very, very creative. Wow. He's very smart. Uh, but there came a time where he started asking me questions and not that I don't, mind answering questions but he's i started to see that his questions were based on no experience Mm. and that he really couldn't foresee yeah what a decision would mean and then what that would bode later on in the future that he's made Mm -hmm. this particular decision and he was sick of guessing himself and he was driving himself around the bend just a little bit (laughs) And, and i just said to him listen man you know get a coordinator and, yeah. and and somebody who's experienced, you know, who can predict what you need and that, um, that you can talk to, mm-hmm. and they'll set you straight. And is that worth something? Absolutely, it's worth something.
1: Yeah. We've said this many times, and it seems to be overused, but we don't know what we don't know. <laughs> I mean, to put it very bluntly, and that includes all of us. That's right. Uh, you know when you uh, go to the dentist <laughs> which i've been doing way too much recently they tell you well you know we took some x-rays and and they have this new form of photography and it shows this dark spot and you're thinking the absolute worst obviously cuz they show it to you you know and you think oh my god my you know tooth is dying and you know all this kind of stuff and and then you realize once you hear the answer that well it's not good but it doesn't mean it's dying it means that some bacteria, well <laughs> some bacteria got under the either the Pre- filling or filling. Uh-huh. or if you have a cover on your tooth of some sort it just got in between and it created some trouble then you got to take off whatever you had on the tooth and, then they out got, and yeah and they can't always put it back because it changes the shape of whatever you had there so all I'm telling you is I couldn't perceive ahead of time what that was going to entail I just knew I had a problem yeah and so it's kind of just like this groom you know he was projecting and trying to think through things, but he didn't know what normally happens in his situation or the things that he has set up unknowingly and how it might have to be dealt with. I've had a lot of my friends in the industry sometimes say to me when we're sharing stories, well, Toby, it's not rocket science that we do. And I choose this on purpose because (laughs) you were working with a rocket scientist. I was working
0: with a rocket scientist. Okay.
1: (laughs) So there is admittedly a built-in prejudice, perhaps, or an assumption on the part of a rocket scientist. Hey, how tough can this be? You know, you get a group of people together, you have some music and food, and someone says, start and stop. Come on. What's the big deal here? Right. And on on some plane, I agree thoroughly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It shouldn't have to be such a big deal. However, <laughs> when you're dealing with human beings...
0: Herding cats, yeah. You know,
1: and and not probabilities and systems that in the universe can be proven to be consistent all the time, then I would have to disagree. Mm -hmm. That when you get a group of people together with all different sets of expectations values, perception, that's where it becomes unique. And so each unique situation calls for creative solutions, thinking
0: yeah.
1: and solutions. Yeah, prediction. Be, yes, because... I'm making an assumption here, but I would venture to guess that the rocket science deals in certainties, things that there are chances, obviously, and and failures that can occur, but they deal in certainties, things that they know can be calculated. With us... We deal with people that cannot be calculated <laughs> most of the time. We can have our theories, if we know them possibly, our experience with them. Right. But yeah. oftentimes, and I think this is why we talk about the future of events being more challenging, and even today... Because they are more variables. In other words, if a church director is in charge of directing a ceremony, it's in that same house of worship with the same clergy, with the same rules and regulations as far as how things are done each week, there's less opportunity, let's say, for variation. That's right. And complications. However, if you're dealing in a different place every week with different clergy in a different set of circumstances, culturally, religious, my heavens. <laughs> <laughs> That is some bowl of different fruit. (laughs) That's all I can say. It really is. And it can be charming and exciting and very hopeful because you get a broad spectrum of experience. And I think that's very good on, on many levels. I'm just saying it must be very hard for some people who approach Their event without realizing all the different properties, and I'm not talking about a physical property, but the properties of chance, exclusion, inclusion, change, surprise. This all comes together, and we try and make it all work. So, I hope our listeners are understanding how much we really value what we do, and we want it to go smoothly, and if it can't go smoothly for a reason that's beyond our control, then to make the best of it. That's why answer your very simple direct question, which was bubbly. <laughs> Hey, Remind me of the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's why I was teasing you, saying that, because I get off on a tangent often. Uh, but, you know, really thinking why it's so confusing for people to know what we do as planners and coordinators and wedding directors and event, event, event producers yeah. and and designers. I think we should always give the public more credit. I think they are much more savvy than sometimes we think. Because the more responsibility they have in their work and life situation, I think the more they recognize what is needed oh yeah oh, I yeah. think the person that has less responsibility has actually a harder time understanding
0: wow <laughs> yeah it takes one to know one uh,
1: uh I know but it's it's true I think yeah A sip of um, of coffee helps in the morning.
0: <laughs> I remember and the uh, the show, uh, the Galloping Gourmet. Oh yeah, Graham Kerr. Yes,
1: yeah. that was a while ago.
0: And he um, and he would uh, be cooking something amazing, and then he would say, "Time for a short slurp," and he would then drink something that was. Um, uh, alcoholic, actually, and oh and, really? And he had, he had he would get ripped uh, during his show, and I think so. He, he had a lot of fun. Well, I think that his I think that his producers were encouraging him to to do oh. that because when he first started off, he would you know time for a large slurp, and that would be it. But now he's he's kind of like slurring his words just a little bit, and you know looking into the camera, and uh, <laughs> it was, okay. It, it was later on, you know. I I don't think that he was necessarily a lush, but um.
1: <laughs> he enjoyed uh, himself.
0: He, he he certainly did. He was so creative. Enjoyed the creation, and and that's what was interesting about this groom, is that he truly enjoyed, uh, creating the uh, the proposal. Uh, wow. The um the, the movie. He he had shot a movie to with his groomsman and this type of thing, and then they, there was a whole skit that they that they choreographed this avengers fight scene you know, where he comes out ah. and he handles this whole thing and then he then he literally choreographs like a a, a k-pop um music video a music oh thing gosh. live performance he went out there and and it was just amazing how uh into it into it he was how how uh he just really really created it and i so admired uh watching him and and Perceiving his intelligence, perceiving his enthusiasm, mm-hmm. it just was was a real inspiration, and wow. uh, he he wound up he did have a coordinator, and then and that really really helped I think in in just oh, uh, making that's everything. great. But he did I think he did all the work. He just, he just really laid everything out and had it very very well understood. In fact, I got yeah. there at uh, I got there at noon just because I uh, eleven thirty noon. Just because I had to, I felt like I had to bring a bunch of extra equipment because I wasn't oh, sure.
1: Really?
0: I wasn't sure whether or not a particular instrument, the piano, would be in tune or not. How how good in sh- how good of oh, shape? Oh, in it was
1: in it. the library or? And,
0: well, yeah, that's it's called the, the lounge. But yes, the lounge. Uh, and yeah. so I had, um, and turns out it was it was fine. You know, it was a, oh. it was a pretty good tune. So that meant I, I didn't have to bring a keyboard and an amplifier and and a yeah, bunch of other stands of and all kinds of other stuff. So I could make it in one trip. But it was a good thing I arrived there early uh, to scope it out. And then uh, I saw that the room was already set up. And I went, man, this guy got here at, you know, at 7 in the morning or something to... uh,
1: Well, sometimes they set up the room the the night night before. before. Yeah. That's often the case as far as at least setting where the tables are and putting down the linen and then, you know... Between depending on how they roll, the, between two and four hours ahead of the event, that's when they start dressing all the tables. You know, right. so sometimes it actually benefits the staff greatly because then they're already there in the evening, the night before. Sometimes, if it works out that way, or if they had an event, or at the end of the workday. And they didn't have an event, then it's not that much longer till they vacuum and reset and move the tables, and then they don't have to come in as early. So they actually, hopefully, get to sleep a little later. So sometimes it's a benefit. Sometimes it isn't. You know, it depends on how many different crews they have and you know how they organize their the workforce
0: the dinner last night was very much a study in timing the other name is just their kitchen is amazing
1: oh um, yeah they have good food there
0: and so it was steak you got to time that steak and then there was also this salmon thing that was wrapped in a, in a pastry dough oh. and, and baked that has to be timed and you know it was perfect when i got my meal it was absolutely just peaked it was right at the right time so getting back to the original yeah. situation that I'm saying is that I want to issue the next organized thing, a set of, of data that somebody could go, you know, I could say, listen to episodes one, two, and three. And that'll give you the, the meat and potatoes of what you need to know to start putting this all mm-hmm. together in an
1: organized fashion. Okay. You- and, and this is a hard one for me. And maybe it is for you, too. Sometimes we feel the need to explain things almost like a teacher because we want people to grasp the importance and understand why it would help them. We do that because we want to be understood. Oh, yeah. We want to be valued and we want to lower the stress level that... For everybody. (laughs) Yes, for everybody. Us in particular, because it would be really great sometimes if we didn't have to explain ourselves so much. However, there is benefit. There is a benefit in having to explain yourself. I didn't think so for three or four years it took. To really solidify, not only in my mind, but in my potential clients, that when you do explain yourself, ask questions to find out where they are and then relate to them what you're going to be doing for them Mm -hmm. in a language that would be best for them to understand you are really teaching yourself I believe and convincing yourself of the value of what you have to offer yes so that's not a bad thing no it isn't it just at times can be very frustrating because someone will say well you're On paper, you're doing the same thing that so and so's doing, and they're charging $500 less. How come? So then it becomes a sales situation where you're trying to convince somebody. Yeah. And in truth, well (laughs) uh, well, I don't think many of us enjoy doing that for sure. But here again, what I've come to realize is I haven't connected with them in creatively. the best way. Not not necessarily only creatively, but just in my personhood. In other words, a lot of us center on that fact. We're $500 more than someone else. I have to convince them that I am worthy of that. However, We've all had the situation, just like you started today. You really enjoy working with creatives. You really respect them. You get them, and they get you. We have to recognize that the relationships that we do make, the really good relationships, we have to cultivate.
0: You have been listening to Wedding and Event Podcast with Toby Dodge and Eric Zimmerman. If you have a question, comment, or topic suggestion, please call Eric at 626-797-1795 or contact Eric by email eric at elegantmusic.com That's E-R-I-C at elegantmusic.com Contact Toby by email Toby at TobyDodge.com. That's T O B E Y at TobyDodge.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and receive a new episode each week. Thank you for listening.